Here we are again. Welcome back to episode eight of season two. This is the Non-Anxious Churches podcast. Thanks for being patient while I was gone. Uh, We're back. I'm back. I've got things to say, more things to talk about, a few more episodes of this current season before we dive into the summer and have some time just in the sun. So I'm Pastor Mark, and my goal for this podcast is to participate in a larger conversation about spiritual health in the local and global church. It's so easy to get caught up in the anxious systems and the hustle and bustle of our world, lost in comparison and discontent, not just as individuals, but as churches too. So today, let's ask a tough question. Are megachurches the ideal church model? So welcome to the Non-Anxious Church Podcast, where we're cultivating a church culture that isn't lost in the sea of anxiousness, one podcast at a time. This is a big question, and really, this this question of our megachurch is the ideal church model, I can't really flesh out in one single podcast, and a lot of it has to do with context, and there's a lot of nuances to it that we're not going to get into, but I think it's an important thought exercise to engage in, and it's an important question to ask. Uh, and I think the answers would be varied depending on who you ask this question to. I think universally people, uh, whether they want to admit it are, uh, admit it or not, think that megachurches are the ideal church model, that they, they have more people. And isn't that the goal? Increasing in numbers? Isn't that even biblical, like this idea? Because Acts talks about the church increasing in numbers. And thus those with the most numbers, aren't they doing the best? And there will be others that adamantly disagree with this statement, that megachurches are not the ideal church model, especially as these churches have been crumbling the last handful of years. We've seen so many cracks in the model, especially the celebrity churches of the megachurches like Hillsong and Willow Creek and Mars Hill. And those are just the most prolific But in about every area of the United States, we have examples of megachurches that have fallen apart due to scandal. Uh, I think every city has a story, whether it's most or recent, but some a few years back. In our city, we had a big scandal at the local megachurch just a few years ago. I just had someone talk to me the other day about another scandal in our area, too, with a local megachurch. A little bit more north of us, but still local enough. Everyone I talk to around the country, they have similar stories of these local megachurches with scandals and crumbling cracks. And so for those that are adamantly against the megachurch model, this gives you the ammo, the fodder you need to make an exceptional case that they're not the ideal church model. But let's analyze this as impartially as we can uh, in, in the time that we have, knowing that there's nuances and context that we won't ever be able to fully get into. What are the pros of the mega churches? What are the cons? Um, and I won't even be able to answer all of those pros and cons today, but I think let, let's dive into this thought experiment. I often think of it like Jesus speaks of money. In Matthew 19, is the story of the rich young ruler kind of going away sad. When the young man heard this, it says in verse 22, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, 
it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We often read this and think Jesus is saying don't be rich, which would be one application of this. In fact, that was the application he in fact gave to the rich young ruler. But we know that Jesus had rich people in his circles and he didn't immediately tell them not to be. He had people supporting him that had money. Uh, specifically, a few wealthy women were some of his uh, donators that allowed him to go about his ministry in the area. We also know of Joseph of Arimathea is a great example of a follower with money and is able to use his tomb, his newly cut tomb, to put Jesus in. So he's not saying don't be rich. He's saying it's hard to be rich without losing your way. It's going to take some real faith to continue to believe in God when it would be easy to believe in money. Notice he says in verse 26, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What's that mean? Well, it means that if you are rich, you need to be way more dependent on God, intentionally focused on God. For the poor in Jesus' day, it was natural for them to be dependent on God and for the help of others. When they said, give us this day our daily bread, they meant it. They didn't have extra bread. They needed today's bread. They needed the daily bread. They, they, the poor had to depend on God and had to depend on the help of others. For the rich, they would never. They don't need to be dependent on others. In fact, it would be too humiliating for them to think of it themselves as dependent on others. So for the believer to be rich, Jesus says, they need to find ways to continue to believe and depend on God and on others, surrendering fully to him every day and find ways to use their riches for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. It's this idea of it's not how much you have, but how you use it and how you view it. It's not how much you have, but how much you use it and how much you view it. Now let's Now, we're not talking about riches here, right? Uh, That's obviously not what this podcast is titled or the question we're asking. We're talking about the megachurch. But like I said, I think of this story in relation to the megachurch. Because if we take this idea of the megachurch, it's not that it isn't possible or good to be a megachurch and follow the way of Jesus. It's just going to be hard. It's going to be super hard. Megachurches are going to have a temptation that smaller churches don't. They don't have the same temptations. For example, think about the rich, the story of the rich riches again, the rich young ruler. Megachurches have their own resources. They can become their own island. They have the spotlight. They have this need to keep up appearances and continue to grow. They often have uh, pastors and leaders with unchecked ambition or are used to being in charge, being the, the one in the public spotlight. They have a tendency to care about the brand more than the people. They can easily depend solely on themselves. Who needs God to do this? And this is also dangerous. I mean, think about what Jesus says is impossible with man, but it's, it's only possible with God. And what does that mean when it comes to being wealthy? It means you have to be intentional about being even more dependent on God and on others. I think it's hard to be a megachurch, much less the pastor of that many people, 
I don't think it's immediately terrible, but it comes with great caution. You have to find ways to use their riches. They have to find ways to use their riches for the glory of God and the benefit of others. It's not, once again, it's not how much you have, but how you use it and how you view it. So we have to ask the question again with all this in mind, is the megachurch model the ideal model? That's like asking in the kingdom of God, is the ideal model being rich or poor? I think Jesus would say it's better to be poor, but we need rich, the wealthy to support, donate, be generous, use their wealth for the glory of God. Not all pastors should be megachurch pastors. Not all churches should be megachurches. Some need to be sent away like this guy in the story saying, you are trying and you are chasing the wrong thing. You need to sell it all. Give it all to the poor and change your philosophy of ministry and your your vocation and the way you even do things. There's plenty of megachurches, and maybe that's what we're seeing happen, that are crumbling because they're being sent away, <laughs> right? They're being they're being uh, sort of they're crumbling because they're not having in mind the views of God but the views of man. While Jesus didn't send every rich person away to sell everything, he sent this one away. Why? Because this one wasn't meant to be rich. Maybe he couldn't handle it. Maybe he was supposed to donate it. Maybe where he was supposed to donate it was part of God's uh, plan for those others that he donated it to. And this is what we are seeing in the mega churches crumbling around us. Hopefully out of the ashes rises a deeper dependence on God as a universal church. And my goal in this podcast is not to present one specific model for the church in 2022 and say, this is it. For I have friends that love Jesus and serve the church that are pastors at house churches, small churches, country churches, city churches, medium-sized churches, and mega churches. And I tr- truly believe that in my circle of friends, all of them love the Lord and love the church. However, I think this actually furthers the point I want to make in this podcast, that there isn't an ideal church model, at least not in the way we think about it. For the Bible never gets overly descriptive of how to do church. It never gets overly... Uh, uh, prescriptive, right? It, it just talks about unity and diversity in the body. The times it, it mentions what is happening in the community, it's less prescriptive and more descriptive. It's less telling you what to do and de- rather it's describing what is being done. And so we have to ask ourselves when it comes to if you're a pastor or a leader or you're in a church, do you consider the, the mega church the ideal church model? Do you, do you find yourself being tempted to think that they're more successful and they're better at doing church because there's more people and more money in their pockets? Because that's how we're t- trained in, in our world and the Western world to think about rich people. They've done, they're more successful. And I think that's the temptation of the mega church model is not only for the churches that are in, you know, that are, that are the mega churches that are that are caught in this that they feel like they got to keep growing they got to keep pushing they got to keep engaging they got to keep uh, getting more people and they got to kind of keep pushing that because they want to continue to be considered successful they don't want to dip um, it, it's that's the temptation for them but it's also the temptation for others to look to them and go they've done it right how can we do it just like them and instead we have to pull ourselves out of that and say not to malign them or or tell them that they're doing it all wrong, but instead to find a way saying, like, what does it look like to honor God, to glorify God, to be dependent on God and dependent on others, no matter if we're small or big? 
no matter if there's a lot of us or a few of us, that how can what we have can be used for God's glory, what we do be used for God's glory, and how can we then begin to think not only as crowds, but as people, as individuals. And the other t- another temptation that I think megachurches have is they often only think about the crowds. They only think about how many there are. And instead of the individual person in the seat or in the person in their their congregation or the, the immediate person that needs uh, love and care and be told that God values them. And so big, megachurches have to think about what does it look like to be smaller even if they're bigger in that regard. And so there's a lot of nuances that we can't get into, but I think this will whet your appetite. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. After this, the exit music, hang on for a minute and I'll give you my email address. You can shoot me an email and I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of this stuff. And maybe we'll do another episode in the future. But for now, may we all become more non-anxious and more dependent on God sitting at the feet of Jesus. So thank you for joining me this week on the Non-Anxious Church Podcast. Please email me at nonanxiouschurches at gmail.com. This was episode eight of season two. Thank you for taking part in in this sort of experiment and what we're doing on Non-Anxious Churches. I would love to hear from you. Once again, my email is nonanxiouschurches at gmail.com. God bless.